Welcome to Puzzling Company, your home for at-home puzzles and mysteries. Here are your hosts, Jared and Zach. Hello, puzzlers, and welcome to another edition of Puzzling Company. <laughs> Zach can't even talk. I just feel like the opening from us, like we have such great music on the front end that it deserves a more engaging and intriguing opening when we come in. Oh, I agree. It's just, I don't know if you feel this way when I do it at times, but I just like internally like can't handle it. It's just like, so I can't look at you. So I I almost cringe. It feels like, even though I'm not actually cringing at you, I just have to sit here and go, okay, please, (laughs) please finish. Please don't ever do that again. I can't help it. I'm i I'm going to get out there. I'm going to experiment a little. I'm a a visionary, Zach. Don't try to pin me down. You're a peacock. You got to let me fly. That's it. That's it. I I like it. Yeah. But thanks for uh, living with us, everybody out there. We're happy to be on episode 21 here. And today we're going to be talking about the Detective Society. Oh, the Detective Society. Uh, Okay. Okay. Enough from you now. I see how it is. (laughs) Okay. Hang on with us. We're a little out of control this episode. We'll be right back. See you soon. All right, Jared, I got to cut out a little early today. I have an interview. An interview? You didn't tell me about that. Where at? With Soup. Oh, nice. I've heard really great things about the Soup Shed off of I-24. So come on down to the Soup Shed. No, Jared. Soup is a society for the observation of unknown phenomena. They actually sent me my first case as a test. Take a look at this folder. Why is this folder full of pictures of me? Well, they are all about documenting the weird and bizarre. If you'd like a chance to join Soup, head on over to crackinutmysteries.com. How did they get this picture of me in the shower? Welcome back to Puzzling Company, home of Troll Zach Boffman. I'm a vampire, (laughs) not a troll. (laughs) Who gives me a hard time and then comes right back over the top. Exactly. That's how it is. That's how it is. But as we mentioned in our opening today, we are playing the Detective Society. If you're not familiar with the Detective Society, it is a delightful subscription box from the UK. They are actually just about to release their third Kickstarter. Uh Oh. So they've got a lot of material out there right now. We're super pumped that we got to play it and to be talking about it today. As always, in our first section, We just want to talk about what we really liked about the game and where we felt like there was some room for improvement. So, Zach, my vampiric friend, I will hand over the reins to you to kick us off on that journey. Thank you, Jared. Uh, So the first thing I want to talk about actually is the narrative. I think it is one of the most inviting narratives in a first episode that we've played in a while. I agree. And I think that's important because I I should have framed this conversation out better is we only played episode one, box one. Correct. That is the only thing that we are basing this review off of. Correct. One episode of box one. Yes. So very limited scope for our conversation today, but I think that allows us to have some unique conversations, which you're going to see in the second part of our show today. Oh, geez. Okay. But as you are, apologies. No, it's okay. That's a great thing to bring up. No, I agree. I mean, as, as, if we're only looking at the series as one box and in one episode specifically of that first season, it is something to bring up is that how it would intrigue someone to continue doing it. 
So the narrative I thought was really well done. The narrative throughout the beginning of the first box I thought was 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 fun, realistic, but kind of fun, just kind of like figuring out what's going on, why uh, the missing of Claire Movaka Mokova. I think it's Mokova. The country of Mulveria right now yes. is pissed at but, your pronunciation. I know. I think it's I think it's Mokova. I think it's Claire Mokova. Yeah. Um, but you're trying to figure out why she's missing, and you have like her father, who's one of the other main characters. You have the other detectives, the people in the detective society. Um, but you're just trying to figure out where she is and like trying to help. Yeah, what's fight. what's going on now? One of my favorite parts is I don't want to spoil it, but the twist at the end of the first episode sets up a very inviting narrative to the rest of the series. Yes, you find out something very important uh, that they, the detective society, did not think you would do. And it was just, it was hilarious to be like, oh, they thought this of us, you know, or like thought this happened or whatever. And then them be like, oh, oh no. And then <laughs> just the, the big invitation that happens when, when all this occurs, um, it, it, it was just fun. Like at first I was like, the narrative was like, was like solid, but nothing crazy. And then, like I said, the ending made me go, okay, I actually want to play the next one. Absolutely. Which a lot of first games we sometimes critique don't do that as well. Yes. And I think this one did it perfectly. I, 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 I don't even know that I need to talk. Like I, you've taken the words out of my mouth. Like I don't think enough first episodes invite their players into the second one mm-hmm. well enough. Uh, we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago, killing affair. Mm-hmm. And we even said in that episode, if, if we were judging this just off of this one box, I don't feel that it would be inviting enough to just do the second one. But as an entire series, it was fantastic. Agreed. Um, but I got the, I, I got the opposite uh, feeling here in saying that after the first one, it felt complete enough as an episode. And I really do want to play the second one. <coughs> Detective Society. I would love to play the second one. <laughs> Jared being very subtle. And the third one. And the fourth through Jared, sixth. stop pushing our love. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just saying I'm always, I'm always open to If play. you'd like Jared to pay for the game, you can contact him <laughs> yeah. at... No. I'm just being, I'm just trying to be funny. But, um, but that, that moves us into our second point here, which what I really enjoyed about this game is there's a sense of realism to the puzzling. Mm-hmm. There wasn't ever a time during the game where I felt like they were just trying to throw in a cipher to have a cipher or, Hey, I really like this puzzle. How do we finagle this into the story of a missing girl? It all felt very appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I appreciated that it stayed within the narrative. It stayed within its realm and it may not be your brand of puzzling, but I definitely appreciated that it all fit right. It, it, yeah. it all was where it placed. Well, we had emails that we were reading through text histories. It fit the vibe of the detective society. Yeah. And I think, uh, I forget the word that you use a lot. Um, I'm going to say camouflaging, but camouflaging puzzles to look normal. Yes. Sometimes it's really difficult in this masking. game. Yeah, masking. That's yes. it. Masking in this game was really solid. Like there were, like you said, there was never a puzzle that I was like, oh, this is just a puzzle to be a puzzle. Yes. Like every puzzle felt real. Like, okay, I'm looking at a map and I need to follow the tracks, you know, and then it was a real map and I had to follow their tracks. Like look at all the different trains and what time they arrived and left and, you know, where they would go, you know, based on certain circumstances, you know, looking at a room and figuring out where certain things would happen if you ran a safety drill, you know, like, all the different things that happened in this game in the first episode felt realistic. There was never a point that I felt like, okay, they threw a puzzle there to throw a puzzle there. Sure. Which helped with the immersion factor Agreed. of the overall experience. Yeah. I totally agree. What, what was our final thing that we really enjoyed, Zach? 
I would say the quality of the materials. Um, all the paper product that were in the game, and there's a good bit of paper product, is all pretty solid. Um, there is a lot of tangible items in the game. So like, and what I mean by that is that there are things you can mess with, kind of small pieces of paper. Um, there's a, like a, this like um, container that it all comes in that you can open up that, you know, like, um, it has like a zipper and there's like a locked, uh, there's a lock on it, yeah. which is fun to mess with actually having like small physical items I love to like that. interact with. Um, I mean, uh, it was all good and also quality materials in physical, but also in online material. There is uh, a bunch of different websites that you need to go to. And I thought they were all well done. Um, that includes going to like different websites for different things, like trying to find a bank account, you know, going into the society's different website, you know, trying to get in through finds hidden passwords through websites, all that kind of stuff was all well done in the, there's also a fun aspect of this game is that when you're solving like the first three items that you need to do, there's an online asset to help you with it. So you can go over there and look and it gives you like a a certain item that goes, Oh, this helps you make sense of like, you know, I'm given this information, but I don't know where to start. And this piece in this little item might have a small detail on it. It goes, Oh, that's how I'd figure out. That's how we started. I'll I'll even throw an extra one in here because I agree with everything that you said. But I even like how they framed the hint system as a detective who is more seasoned than us, who was willing to offer us some guidance should we ever need it. Agreed. No, I think the narrative part of the other, the like head detective that helps with the cleaning system was hilarious. Um, because he does make a comment that he's helped over like 1400 cases and he's only been stabbed twice, which right. is a good ratio. It's a honest. great, I think that's a great ratio. So, but, but, but even like that invited us into like a little more of like, okay, there's not just a hint system. We know it's a hint system, but they've framed it as a lead detective more seasoned than us, which mm-hmm. honestly, I want to see his resume of societies joined because I feel like we may not be as lower ranked to him. Just a just a pride issue there. Just yeah. just throwing that out there. Yeah, I'm I'm a little upset by that. But. A little upset. I want to meet this guy. Show me. Let me let me meet. I've this never boy. been stabbed in all the cases I've done, so <laughs> my ratio is better. Okay. But yeah, I, I think you can hear us saying that we did enjoy this game. We'd definitely be open to playing the next one, and they left us in a good spot to wanting to play the next one. Agreed. But let's move into where we felt like there were some room for improvements. Again, I do want to contextualize this by saying. We only played season one, episode one. So if you're sitting there out there listening, you're like, well, I've played all of the 12 games that are out there. Don't come swinging at us yet. We're coming at it from the very beginning. But I'll kick us off in saying is one thing that I didn't really get from this experience is there wasn't anything where I had like any type of wow moment where I had anything that stood out, made the game feel particularly special or memorable I just, at the end of the game, I was, we went through our likes and dislikes. We were having our discussion and I was like, yeah, it was a good game. You know, I, I, I always want one puzzle, one uh, thing. And I, I, I understand that that's a highly subjective thing to say, but that's where I came out at the end of this game. Would I still play game two? Absolutely. Because I think, and we'll get into this a little more in our second section that you have to judge these things more on the length of the series episodically and come at it like we did with killing affair mm-hmm. killing affair had some great moments as mm-hmm. we went throughout the whole thing if you judged it by box one i think you're in trouble but again we only have box one at the end of it i didn't feel anything super wowy specially memorable in my book thoughts on that oh that's great i actually have a different opinion on one part of it okay uh the there is one wow moment but it is in the narrative like that's the ending fair. is the wow moment 
which is a wow moment, but I will agree in the puzzling aspect of it. None of the puzzles were that wowing. Yes. So I, I understand, like I get that hundred percent, but I, I just want to clarify, like I think the narrative is the wow moment that makes you go, okay, I want to play the next one. Absolutely. And you could even argue like, okay, this is box one, episode one. This is an onboarding thing. Correct. Which it L- did, I think right. quite well for what I seem it will be like. Sure. Let's, more. let's not throw anything crazy, but I still feel like there could have been one thing item there just there was a, a level of intrigue gaming wise that I felt like you could throw one little two hooks in there and have me both on a narrative and a puzzling aspect. No, agreed. Yeah. What else? What else, Zach? Did we feel like there was a little bit of room for improvement? This is interesting. I don't really have another big room for improvement, but I more want to discuss us playing it as a as one episode. Okay. So what I mean by that is like like, you know, we tried to contextualize it so that you would understand it is one, but more talking about what it can improve on as just a one game. Like, because that is someone's, you know, we talked about this a little bit when we did the episode on a killing affair and some of the other ones. If you play this as one episode, you have to judge it as one episode. You know, if someone bought this and is the only one they played like we did, you have to look at it that way. Right. Because that determines whether or not they're going to pick play up the next, next one. Yeah. And like, like we said, I think there was a lot of goods. I think the only real improvements that we saw was like, you know, making a little bit more wow moments and puzzles. And maybe like, I thought the variation was solid, but I mean, that's, there wasn't much more and crazy in the like room for improvement other than it just us talking about like, Hey, it is one episode. There could be a lot of crazy changes in the next episodes. Sure. That make us our opinion change a lot more for good or for, for hopefully not worse, you know, but you know, you, I think right now, like as a one episode game, it's probably one of the better ones I've ever played. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. It's pretty solid. And, and I'm going to call this uh, the first episode paradox. I think this is a problem for a lot of creators, and don't hear me saying I have an answer to it. But if you build just this epic game, game one, episode one, that has to be lived up to. Yep. And if you treat, let, like Detective Society, this season one is a six-game series. If you believe in that bell curve, then maybe this isn't that bad of a starting point, right? Like it introduced the game to us. We made it through it relatively uninterrupted by anything. And now the impetus is on the following episodes to really ramp up both the story, the intrigue of the puzzles, the variation of the puzzles. Because I would say, absolutely, you heard me say it. There is enough in this that I would want to play episodes two, three, four, see what they have to offer moving forward. Mm -hmm. But it's like you said, we only have one episode to judge off of. So we've got to contextualize that in terms of what could be done even within that episode. But within terms of the paradox that I'm talking about, well, maybe that ramps it up too much. And now you have too much to live up through in episodes two through six. Agreed. So it is, it's an interesting conversation to have, but I am going to pause us here because I do want to have more of this conversation in the second, second part of our show. And that I love to throw curveballs at you and have some fun. So wrapping us up here, hang on with us. More of this conversation coming in Puzzles to the People. We'll be right back. Solve puzzles, write reviews, win prizes. It's time for Puzzles to the People. Zach, I'm I'm so sorry to hear about the robbery at your house last night. Are you okay? I'm fine. But Jared, literally no one broke into my house last night. But I do feel a little upset because you did stand me up for game night. Okay. Your text literally reads, break in tonight, exclamation point. Jared, that's literally the name of the game. 
It's a really cool new concept where you're trying to solve puzzles to break into the game instead of out of it. All their games follow really cool narratives about real-life places. We really should have people check it out in our show notes to get details on where they can pick up this game. So it's called Break In? Yes, it's Breaking In, not Breaking Out. I'm sorry. It's okay. Wow. Welcome back, guys, to Puzzling Company. We're now in the second segment that is Puzzles to the People. Um, In this segment, this is just a, a fun part where Jared sometimes takes comments, suggestions, looks up questions about... Uh, different games, you know, the game that we're playing, either from the community, from different websites, whatever, or he makes them up on in his own crazed mind to ask me. So, Jared, I think you've already brought it up. Did you did you find questions for me, or did you make up more crazy questions to ask? Uh, so the reason that we have actually been on this train more conversationally, just if you're out there wondering, like, where are all the people and puzzles to the people, is because we are in the midst of building out a really great website and it will actually be the place that we want to pull feedback from. So that is coming. But yes, again today, I'm coming at you from my own twisted mind. Oh, no. So sorry. A little bit of a continuation of the conversation we were having in the first part of the show with some added material for the middle section. Are you ready, Zach? <laughs> I think... Well, we'll see. I know you had so much fun a couple episodes ago when you were on the other end of this. But here's how I want to start framing the beginning of this conversation, just so people understand where we're coming from in our own biases, is do you prefer episodic games over single-play experiences? Oh, okay. We have not not juxtaposed these things before. We've not, actually. This is interesting. This is hard. Personal preference. And why? It's hard. I don't know if I have, like, a, a direct answer to this. Because I think it depends on the game. I if I had to pick though, if it, if I had a you know a metaphorical uh, you know escape room gun to my head <laughs> that Jared is not conveniently holding at me right now, um, please no. Um, if it was episodic versus single play, I honestly think episodic. And here's here's why. For me, narrative is one of the biggest points and most experiences that I genuinely enjoy the most. It's what drives me to like really enjoy certain things. So what, you know, like example, right? TV shows and like uh, in different mediums, right? Like TV show versus movies. Uh, TV shows can have more time to show and like uh, give a narrative over time, right? You know, you get it at certain episodes and then you wait for the next one and it builds more on it. You get more, you get way more time. So sometimes with episodic experiences, I think why I enjoy it more is it gives more time and more space to put more things in. That's fair. So over like an entire series, I get all the narrative that I wanted. Now, my only devil's advocate to myself is some of my favorite experiences are single player or like single play experiences. Sure. It's almost a a TV versus movie argument. Correct. Because I think there are some good TV shows and there's some really bad ones and there's really good movies and really bad movies. Sure. I think it's, you could say the same about escape, like, or you can say about escape rooms, you can say about most things in life and especially puzzles or like at home puzzles and mysteries and stuff like that is that some of the episodic experiences that I've played have been really great when I look at it as the whole, some, you know, like maybe a little weaker in episodes, just like TV shows, but like some of my favorite games of all time have been the single play experiences where, you know, it might be only an hour long and some of them were like, we spent an entire weekend playing them over like a period of time, like reading different journals and going back and opening up the, the box when we get here, you know, it, it's, that's a hard question. I don't, I mean, I can't say I like one way more than the other, but they're both, they both have their positives. 
And I think it's fair to say it's a spectrum, but when I ask myself that question, I tend to lean more towards single play. Yeah. Because single play usually have the things that I value more, which is higher quality tangible items, mm-hmm. uh, a narrative that wraps itself up. But but I don't disagree with anything that you said. I think episodically you do get to explore narrative a little more. You're not as confined. But the reason I, I, I bring that up as we dig into these next couple of questions is I, I want to frame it in understanding what you and I value, right? And if you're listening, to think about what do you really value and are you harder on certain games because, well, that's just not how you choose to consume your narrative or puzzle material, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of times I can be more, I don't know if harsh is the word, because I I would never call our podcast harsh, um, but more leaning towards single player games just because it has the things that I want. Sure. Um, It has the things and episodic tends to not be bad because like you said, some of my favorite, that I'm thinking in my head right now, some of my favorite games are episodic um, and they have their different challenges. But I just wanted to throw that out there to get us to get the mind mixing, to get it flowing on what we're about to talk of. And let's move into talking specifically about episodic games. And that's what do you think are some of the advantages of episodic games? You mentioned a little bit of it, but I want to dive a little bit deeper because that's what we have in front of us today. I've said I think I like single player a little bit more single play games, like one time sit, be done full narrative, full everything you've said. I like episodic more. So I'm going to come to you first and say, well, what are the advantages of some of the episodic games that are out there? Sure. So I think I brought it up a little bit, but I think the first thing being, or the first thing I would talk about is narrative. I think you can present way more narrative over a long period of time. One of the most popular thing in episodic experiences, right, is one overarching narrative. Yes. So it's kind of fun seeing parts of it play out and being like, oh, no, I have to wait till, you know, another week from now when I get the next episode in or the next month and figure out what happened. You know, like, oh, no, uh, Jimmy's on the side of the cliff. Well, I saved Jimmy, you know. And, sure. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, next month, Jimmy fell off. You sure. Know, it's really sad, but. You know, I learned that narr- like that part is intriguing. Now, one of the other parts is I think the creativeness and narrative and theming they can do in each episode. One of the things we brought up when we've played other games, examples being like Escape Mail Society or um, Escape Mail, one being like Scarlet Envelope. Sure, um, is that in each of their different like you know monthly subscription, like their their next envelope or the next mail, the theme, the like the overarching story is somewhat the same or is the same but the place and the theming and the puzzle style changes almost. And I yes. think that's a really fun aspect that every month I get something a little bit different from the last one. And you're getting it regularly. Correct. And it's regular. So I, you know, every month I, I have something new while I think, you know, looking at it from the opposite point of view with a single play experience is that it's one time. I, it might be my, one of my favorite games, but after the one time I played, it's done. Yes. While like other ones, I always have more to look forward to potentially. Yes. Even sometimes they can be a little disappointing, right? I mean, that's just like anything. You can have things that work out better and some that don't for your personal preference. But I like the idea of just being like every month being like, oh man, I can't like, like I said, uh, not meaning to only shout out these specific companies. There's a lot of great companies to do it. But like, like I said, Scarlet Envelope was one of the one, first ones we've played ever and is one of my favorites for that reason was that nothing felt more fun than getting the next episode after we enjoyed so many. Right. Sure. It's the same with like, like I said, we really enjoyed the three escape mails we play and other companies that do the same thing. Right. Um, but it just, that part is fun when I get something new at my door, like another new episode of a company that I enjoy at my door. 
And, and I, I want to parse it out a little bit further because I feel like even within episodic, there's different veins. And you kind of talked about these a little bit. Like if I'm going to go back to uh, society of curiosities, mm-hmm. uh, that is episodic, but not episodic. Yeah. Each envelope feels closed by the end of it. Agreed. You know, escape mail is more episodic. You know, we don't get a full resolution of a narrative every time that we, every time that we don't, when we played killing affair, it didn't fully end after every single box and we needed the next box to fully feel like we could feel out. So it's really interesting in my opinion, the range of play that you have to tell a story within something that you're not going to release in one full box, Mm. right? Like when you and I finish an unlock, it's done. Agreed. Right. You kind of have one character that runs through some of the games. Who's kind of like a villain, but for most of the games, it's, it's done by the end of it. Agreed. And it's interesting to see the choices that you have to play out. When I think of episodic games and some of the advantages, I think about them more on the creator side a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think episodic games allow you to change material. Yeah. Where where if you know game one didn't go so well, well we can change that a little bit in game two. Yeah. Um, it gives you more adaptability on that side. And uh, also I think episodically you maybe have a little more of a cash flow. Yep. Right. Like subscription games. Like, Consisting. Yes. Yeah, some of fun. like we, we talk a lot about hunt a killer that tends to be a little bit more subscription based. We know they ain't hurting for cash. Yeah. Right. They're doing quite well. There, there, there is a, a nature to that, that I, and a rhythm to that, that I think mm-hmm. is really enjoyable because like you mentioned, that's what we're used to on our TV shows. I don't get it all right now. I'm left with a cliffhanger. I've got to see it next time. Whereas the one-off box, the flow of that is much quicker and maybe less enjoyable in terms of a narrative, which I think is arguable from an escape room standpoint too. It's an hour, it's done. There's supposed to be a full narrative there. Some people experiment with that a little bit, out, but more often than not, you're supposed to leave having a full story arc. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it is. I don't. I, I, the reason I, I like the single play is the reasons I mentioned, but I'm not going to admit that there aren't some definite advantages to what's going on episodically. Yeah. So I want to flip that on its head and say, what do you think some of the disadvantages are? Ooh, okay. Disadvantages for an episodic experience. I think you, so. Or or, or what are some of the trade-offs? Trade-offs. Maybe, maybe not disadvantages. What, what sure. do you think some of the trade-offs are? I think, I th- yeah, I think one of the things could be quality. And because you are mass producing more of it, and you're trying to do it episodically, so you're trying to do it over a certain series. So sometimes that we've noticed is that, the quality never like gets crazy better. Cause you know, when you're paying like 150 bucks, let's say for a box, sure. right? You get like a really nice box that has a really nice lock on it that has like a, a bottle in it with the letter inside and a lot of paper that looks aged. And you know, the materials are just so realistic to the like the time of the box or the the game that you're playing that it feels like the money feels like you paid for the aesthetic. Yes. Well, when you play episodic, there's less of that generally because they're giving it over a period of time and generally to make it easier for like mailing and shipping. A lot of it is more generally, to be honest, paper product. Yes. Which is fine. Um, There's been a lot of good companies that have used paper product quite well that I didn't care that it's paper product. But I mean, at the end of the day, it is paper product. Yes. You know, so you you could argue that at some point, like, you know, like when you say you want to play like and as an example, right? not saying anything against these two companies. I'm just saying like 
this is the comparison. When I play Root of All Evil from Cracking Up Mysteries, that box has a little bit of moss on it. It looks old. There's a diary that looks like it was from the 1600s. You know, that is awesome. You're paying for that awesome aesthetic that goes with the great game that it is. Yes. While you can play amazing subscription or like episodic experiences, but the, you know, to you're not paying a hundred dollars for each box. You're paying like, let's say anywhere from 15 to $30. Correct. Right? Isn't a guess. Right. Um, so you're not getting the same quality, but you're not paying for, I mean, you might pay that same over in a whole experience, but you're, you're getting five, one hour experiences versus like a, let's say a three hour experience that is, you know, like, I don't remember how long technically root of all evil supposed to last, but you know what I mean? Like that sure. example being that, um, so that's like one of the potentially the disadvantages just quality. Cause you're, you're sending it out more often and you're trying to make different things. So you're, you can't spend the same amount of money on every one unless you just make a lot of money. Sure. Realistically, which, you know, and even then you're worried about your margins. Correct. Right. You're also shipping this like mad. Yes. So the other part is that you can't ship like the craziest products all the time or else that, that I don't even want to know how much it would cost to try to send like a crazy, like try, I'm trying to imagine root of all evil as like a C like as a monthly thing, almost (laughs) how much it would, how much it would cost and the shipping and all that stuff to do that monthly would be insane. It would be, it'd be incredibly expensive if, yeah. if mysterious package company like became like a monthly yeah. instead of like a one-off crate buys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that would be, I feel like that would be insane. In, in my opinion, that that would be really hard to do. Nice. So that, I mean, that's the point is being able to do, like I said, I think paper products is the most popular material in the episodic stuff. It's easy to ship. You can put a lot of it together. You can make a lot of good puzzles out of it and you can mask it well. I mean, every game that we played that's been episodic that generally does have paper product is masked extremely well, or we don't care. Yes. So that's a that's that's a big advantage is being able to do that stuff. I and I will also say I I think I've seen stronger digital components with some of our episodic producers. Agreed, because you have to, the difference is that when you play a single play experience. Obviously, you want the website to be good, but it only needs to last the one experience. Exactly. The difference is episodic. I'm going back to, like, example, when we played A Killing Affair. I, I think in the episode that I brought it up, I, I love their website. I think it's one of the best interactions that I've ever had on an online website in terms of turn, like, of hints, seeing how, like, the game, how everything worked. A lot of those companies rely more on that because that is the consistent place or hub that you're going to be interacting with the entire series that you play. Absolutely. So yeah, I agree. I think the website almost plays more of a factor in its quality for episodic experiences versus a single play where the website doesn't matter as long-term as potentially subscription or monthly. Absolutely. It's not continuing to drive the experience after you finished. Yeah, I agree. So I, I and I think that, that they know that. And I think our creators are really intelligent in that to say like, my experience episodically, if it's going to come in an envelope or a small box, doesn't have to just exist within yeah. the walls of this box. Some do, and some do that really, really well. Agreed. But it is interesting to see how strong that digital component is in so many of them because it is going to continue driving and being used and helping out the ultimate goal of what they're trying to accomplish. Agreed. So I agree with that as well. So let me let me take it to this route now. Um, what do you think our creators could be doing better with episodic games? We've talked about some of the advantages. We've talked about some of what you have to give away or change a little bit. But if we were to write a letter to our creators of our some of our subscription episodic games, what would we say, 
hey, these are a couple of the things that we think in all humbleness you guys could be doing a little bit better? That's honestly like a very hard question. I don't, I don't know. Because uh, I think the most interesting part from our perspective, right, sometimes is that we have a feeling about how things would work, but I've never been in a creator. And I'm not, you know, I think one of the hardest parts sometimes when I, you know, for me, I go, oh, well, you know, what if you could sometimes up the quality, right, in, a, in an experience? Because sometimes I feel like that's like one of the weakest points, When right? you say quality, do you, are you purely talking about like material? Material. Material usually. quality. Uh, sometimes puzzle quality does come up. And, you know, we've had discussions with some of the creators before talking about like what we thought was really solid in a game when we played them or what, you know, we thought potentially could be better. And, and a lot of times they agreed or were like, yeah, that's one of the most powerful sure. things. You know, so like for me, it goes like, you know, let's say the material quality got better, you know, because I think that's one of the things a lot of people like is seeing material being quite solid because the more impressive you can make things come out of a, an envelope or a folder for me, the more I'm impressed, right? Because there's only so much you can do in a small space. Um, so being able to do that, but then, you know, I could argue that when I talk, when we've talked to a lot of the creators, you know how much time I watch them like talk about how they spend like all day folding the same pieces, like folding the paper exactly how they need it. And it's like impossible for someone else to do it because they have to do it the exact way they want it. Like it's, it's almost like, I feel like I don't have a place to like, you know, argue it. Cause I'm like, I know how much work they put in. They put Absolutely. loads of Absolutely. hours into like, you know, you'd be like, you know, some outsider might be like, Oh, look at that piece of paper. Like it just looks like it's folded. Meanwhile, I've watched, uh, you know, like, Annalisa from uh, Scarlet Envelope fold the same thing a million times in a row. And I'm like, I would, I would personally want to die folding that a million times in a row every day, you know? So I, I, I don't know. I, this might be a better thing for you to answer. I just, I personally don't know. I don't have like an answer to fixing that issue sure. or how to make them better. Uh, and mine would be, and again, this is with the heart of, I just want all of our creators to be successful. Not- Agreed. I just think the first, and this is this is point in case for what we played today, and I understand that it's a paradox, but I just think you have to come out firing so strong on your very first episode of season one. Sure. And I think that creators need to realize that that is their tryout. Yeah. I mean, it's like a pilot of a TV show. Yeah. Like the pilot has to get your intrigue to, to keep to, watching to keep the show. going. And I, and I want to see, I, I think on some games that I've played, I just want to see more, but the advantage of that is you can recreate that. Yeah. I, I think more creators need to go back and look at season one, game one and say, how can we make this better? How can we keep tweaking this? How can this be the very best game? Because this may be all that I get. True. Um, and again, that is something that could bite you if you don't live up to that in ep- season one, episode two, three, four, and five. But I just think that you owe it to that person who is giving your company a shot by paying that 15 to $30, whatever it is, to give them the best onboarding, give them the best signposting, to, get, to make sure that that is the most w- tight, well-sculpted episode in, in your processes in your narrative in everything so that you've got them hooked Mm -hmm. and when I play the first games I'm always so much more judgmental because that I'm always trying to put my place in the new customer who's new to the puzzling world who's giving your company for a first try and I want so desperately for them to leave that and go that was dope 
I'm in for episode two. I'm not going to go online and cancel my subscription. So I say all this in love and I want to have a high standard as a reviewer, not because I want to be a jerk, but because I want people to play your second game so desperately. I want them to keep going. And I think we've got to go back as an industry and look at season one, episode one and say, did we just make that? And we're hoping that they'll pick it up and like it. Or is this the, the, just the thing that we've poured more time into looking at, even though we may be on season one, episode 10, because that is the funnel on which all other games open up to. Mm. And, and that, that's what I would say. I don't think there is some necessarily magical thing that I can come up with other than saying season one, episode one is the most important thing that you create. Yeah. That's all I've got. You got any other thoughts wrapping us up here? No, I was just going to say I I can agree to that because I think like looking at a different medium, I think one of the funniest things that I always think of and everyone does this is when you talk about TV shows, seasons in in a TV show yeah, is going like, well, you know, people love or hate The Office. You go, okay, well, I love The Office. And you're like, well, I, you know. Season one is not that great, but if you go, if you do two through five, you really like it. And so, you know, like six, seven, eight, sure. or like weaker, sure. you know, or whatever it is that you, your opinion is, it always feels funny that people have to go like, oh, you're going to, if you watch season one, you're going to hate it and you're probably going to stop. Sure. So you almost feel like you have to tell people to like skip per- parts. And I think that's your argument almost is that you're like, hey, like you want episode, you want episode one to be like, no one questions it. Like you, you don't want to be like, Hey, like, I really like this game, but skip episode one and go straight to two. Sure. You know, you want people to be like, Hey, like the first episode really good and intrigues you to jump into the rest of the series. But that's, but again, that's one of the advantages that we have is once season one, episode one of the office is out there, it's out there. Yeah. There may be a director's cut extended edition, blah, 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 blah. But once that hits live streaming or live television, there's no going back. We have that advantage. You can uh, you can change it whenever you, you want. You can change it whenever you want. Like that is that is I think the biggest advantage that episodic subscription game players have is you know once exit unlock they they are large batch orders and yes yeah. maybe after the first thirty thousand are printed they can make a change maybe maybe but after that. So many are out there, but these are done in such small quantities mm-hmm. that you have the ability and no one will ever be the wiser, Yeah, ever be the wiser. Maybe some of us that are so niche into some of these experiences are, but like the, your audience will have no clue and you will have done them a great service. And a lot of the, the best creators that we've, I mean, a lot of the creators we've talked to do that. Yes. They, they very clearly go like, Hey, we, we look back at it. Like, I think when we talked to Jack Fallows from uh cryptogram puzzle post, I think he brought that up was that like, uh, he's like, going to, he's going to redo. Cause yeah, he's, he's like, yeah, I, I, now that I have a better idea, I can go back and fix or re-edit things that I thought were weaker. And they like, yes. you know, and a lot of the creators, like when they look back at the old things, like, you know, um, another big example is uh, Scarlet Envelope. Shout out to them uh, again. Like with them talking about the voice that they did for their game, like they look back at it and they're like, yeah, we had a lot of, compl-, you know, like we can fix, like they can fix that. And there are people who will join the series and never knew there was an old voice. Right. Right. That that is a cool advantage, being able to f- that is. potentially fix or absolutely things like that. And that's all I'm saying is uh, I think the best creators are constantly recreating in this space. Like boxes, again, you're a little more limited. The best creators are going back and they're revisiting their earlier stuff to see if they can up the level of it because they know if they're going to make people play games in a certain order that those earlier games are just 
monumentally important to what's going to happen to the rest of their series. Mm-hmm. So that's all we've got, Zach. Great conversation, sir. As always. Much love to all of our creators out there. We're about to talk to one. Speaking of them, mm-hmm. hold on. We're coming right back for questions for creators. There are some awesome people who make the puzzles we love to solve. This is Questions for Creators. I'm over it. Over what? Christmas. People can't let this holiday go, man. I'm still receiving Christmas-themed mail. Look at this red envelope I got yesterday. Jared, you are so uncultured. Uncultured? Because I refuse to celebrate Christmas year-round? No, you're uncultured because one, that color is scarlet, not red. And two, because that envelope is jammed-packed with puzzles and mysteries. Scarlet Envelope features escape room-style experiences that you may receive every month in the mail. Each episode features a different story, but all their experiences are tied together in a bigger narrative that you are trying to unravel. I think I could get down with Christmas all year. Well, head on over to scarletenvelope.ca to start your adventures today. Welcome back to Puzzling Company. We are here in our Questions for Creators segment, wrapping it up. And we have another wonderful creator with us today. I still don't understand why so many people are so nice to us, Zach. I really don't know either. It's just a really cool community. True. Um, But I'm going to let him introduce himself here in a second. So can you please tell us your name and how you guys came up with the Detective Society? Hi, I'm Dan. Uh, I'm part of the team behind the Detective Society. Um, And we make immersive mystery puzzle games that you play at home. Uh, They're physical games, so we deliver a box uh, through your letterbox um, and we can ship all over the world. We're based in the UK. Um, And yeah, we we have three different adventures for sale and each adventure consists of six games and they're usually uh, released over a monthly period. So you'll get a new game each month uh, to play at home. So what were you all doing before the venture started? So um, I have run a uh, digital marketing agency for a number of years. My background really is in uh, business management, uh, marketing, uh, website design. Um, But I'm a passionate gamer and always have been a passionate gamer. And there's two others of us in the company, uh, Tristan and Joe. And Joe is head of games design and Tristan is head of narrative design. And um, we've all got experience in those areas. So, for example, Joe, um, previous worked on uh, escape rooms so he um, was part of Sherlock which was the official tie-in with the BBC series um, based in London and a previous game to that Time Run which was also an escape room based in London Um, and Tristan was involved in both of them as well we're we're all friends and Tristan's background really is in writing Um, he's wrote for BBC Radio 4 sketches and comedy and things like that so um, the thing that unites us is, is a passion for gaming but we've all got kind of uh, different little uh, unique niches within that. What makes Detective Society unique compared to other tabletop escape games? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one because um, when we started, we was there was a, a lot fewer games out there and then obviously the pandemic hit and there was an, this explosion, which is fantastic uh, for customers because there's so much choice. I think what we, um, what we really kind of try to do uh, that's unique is we try to make you feel like you are a real-life detective and you can use 
all the tools that a real life detective might have. Um, so, for example, um, we try and avoid having abstract puzzles in the game. So if there's an item in the box, it's there because a detective would have been sent that item um, as, as evidence or as something to investigate. So, uh, you know, if there's um, bank statements or credit cards or um padlocked folders there's a reason for them being in the in the game beyond just an abstract bit of fun to be had um so that, that's quite unique um and, and another aspect is i suppose you know if you if there's a question uh that you can't answer say for example i think one of the games has got a puzzle where you might need to know the name of an obscure british football team soccer team you uh you're not expected to know that and a real detective wouldn't be expected to know that and it's absolutely fine to go away and google that answer and I think that's quite unique, um, you know, that you, you're allowed to use those sorts of real world tools to, to, to uncover this mystery, feel like a real detective and solve the case. When you create your games, how do you think about puzzles and how to put them into your games? Mm -hmm. So um, Joe, my colleague, um, is really the escape game expert, I suppose. And he's pl probably played over a hundred different escape rooms. Um, and he, he did start very early when the industry was quite young, sort of around 2015. Um, so he's got a lot of experience um, with uh, escape rooms of, of games that, you know, are personally his favorite that he absolutely loves. And maybe some games where he came out a bit disappointed. And I, we were discussing this um, recently as a, as a free, and we kind of realized that we actually learned quite a lot about puzzle design from the games that we didn't enjoy as much as the games that we did enjoy. Um, so yeah, Joe's fantastic when it comes to puzzle design. I, I think he's really good at what he does. And I think that experience comes from just playing so many games and, and getting inspiration from so many games as well. So there's a lot of other crime-based games out there. Specifically, how do you find a niche amongst those other games? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one because um, some of the big games out there like Hunter Killer, for example, they're all about hunting down a specific murder. And that isn't uh, that isn't always a specific uh, theme in our games. What we try and do is because we've got this desire to make you feel like a real world detective, we try and um, come up with case ideas that a real detective would actually um, would actually want to solve. Um you know, we're, we're inspired by uh, a lot of different things. Uh, there's a show in the UK called um, Line of Duty, which is a, a sort of a crime police drama. Um, and we, you know, we love things like that. And there's always little ideas that come from those sorts of things. Um, what we try and do in our games is, you know, you can play our game and you could just rush through it and solve as many puzzles as you can as quickly as possible to get through it. Or you could take your time with it and really explore the world that we've created. So there's a lot of sort of um, extra little stories around the main narrative. So, for example, in our first ever episode, you know, there are there are websites for the different businesses that are mentioned in the game. And within those websites, there are loads of little funny bits of humor and little stories and little characters that you can explore. And, you know, you could explore one of the characters twitters and and things like that and you know we really like the idea of creating a whole world so yes there is this storyline that has got you know quite traditional themes in it of there's been a murder or disappearance or someone's um fallen ill and there's a mysterious illness and all these sorts of traditional um vibes to it but we also try and flesh it out with all these really interesting unique little easter eggs here and there as well 
What is the future of Detective Society and what other games are you planning on in the future? Great. Yeah, we we have got some exciting things on the horizon. So just to clarify, we've got we've actually got two adventures that are available to buy now, but our third adventure has only just been announced and it's actually uh, funding now on Kickstarter as we speak. Um, so uh, it's doing really well and we're really pleased with how it's gone so far, but you can kind of grab a bargain on there because we always release them on Kickstarter with a bit of a discount. Um, interestingly, what I was saying before about this kind of real world vibe, this third adventure um we're playing with that kind of expectation a little bit because the third adventure's got a little bit of a paranormal uh, aspect to it so i don't want to give away any spoilers yet but um yeah it's called the cursed exhibition and something strange is going on at the museum and there's been a murder at the museum and you can't quite figure out why and there's a hint of paranormal activity and it's your job to kind of go in and figure out what's going on and and as you have if you've played uh, adventure one or adventure two you'll quickly find that that unravels into a much larger adventure which we quite like doing as well so that's the exciting thing on the horizon um and we've got a few more uh games planned um further down the line which you can't really reveal too much about about um but we have yeah we we kind of work sort of six months in advance um certainly from a planning perspective yeah and we've got some really nice things lined up i think it's going to be an exciting sort of next year and our last question we ask everybody on the show is what do you guys enjoy playing what are you playing right now can be anything video games board games puzzle games what are you guys playing what do you enjoy sure well as i say we the thing that unites us three uh, owners of the company are that we are big gamers and that's how we kind of met really as friends um we not with, without being able to go out to escape rooms we've actually been playing a lot of board games we've been playing a lot of video games um we're big fans of, on on the computer of civilization series so we love civilization six um we've been playing a game called anno 1800 which is a city builder where you kind of have to build and trade and do all this sort of stuff so we love those sorts of heavy sh- uh, strategy mechanic mechanical games they're really great um on the board games front we've actually uh recently been playing a game called everdale which is um won loads of awards um recently it's done really well and it's a um you're sort of building a woodland uh a woodland town and you've got to kind of buy cards and uh, gather resources to spend on building cards and that's really cool um we recently played um what do we play we got we got uh the mystery agencies games arrived so that's another sort of um puzzle game um we played that recently the vanishing gambler um we've got a friend who does fantastic escape rooms work and he's got a new game out called hit the silk which is on its way but we haven't got our hands on that yet but his previous game called stop the train uh, which was a kickstarter fun project we played that that was really good as well and um, so yeah right mixture between board games video games and hopefully soon now things are opening up in the uk some escape rooms well, Dan, thanks so much for being on the show with us today. Yes, thank you. We look forward to seeing more of what you guys have in the future. If you're interested in playing The Detective Society, you need to go to thedetectivesociety.com and you could pick up, you got some options. They got season one, they got season two. And uh, as Dan was talking about, they're about to have a third one out there coming on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And uh, once we get that link, we'll try to put that up in the show notes. Mm-hmm. But big thanks and shout out to them. We're super excited to have them on the show. And Zach, I think that's going to wrap us up for another episode. How can people help us out? 
Man, that's crazy. I mean, if you want to send me $500, you can do that on PayPal at, no, if you guys want to support us, uh, obviously we appreciate all the love and support that we get through messages or following us. So what you can do, uh, you can go to Instagram or Facebook and go on there and you can go to Puzzling Company uh, and just leave us a like or follow us on our different social medias. You can also, if you really enjoy the podcast, you can go to, you know, the different apps that you go to on, if it's Spotify, Stitcher, you know, the podcast app on like iOS, you can go in there and you can press subscribe and follow us so that you're going to get a notification the next episode that comes out the next week. Um, and that's, you know, we love all those things and we'd love to hear more from you. So if you guys ever have any comments or anything that you'd like to talk about, you know, how you felt about a certain opinion, just hit us up on our different social medias or hit us up at contact at puzzlingcompany.com. I dig it. And I think that's going to wrap us up for another great episode. Who do we have next time? I just realized what we are doing next episode. Do you know? No. What are we doing? Oh, Zach, it's time. Wait, what? It's not. I don't know what time it is. It's 21 episodes for 21 episodes. We have worked together. And it is time. For what? That we see who is the greater puzzler. Oh, no. Me. Me, I don't know. So for those of you that don't know, Deckscape has a new game coming out. Yes. And it is competitive. Can divide up. You play 1v1, 2v2, 3v3. But Zach and I, for the first time in the history of our podcast, we're going to throw down against each other. And then we're going to see, then we're going to have a podcast and we're going to see how that turns out. Yeah. So, uh, on this, today's episode, uh, Jared beat me. Um, that is all I, I'm betting know. on you. I don't want to hear all of this. I'm not buying into your mind games, but yeah. you are going to want to listen to our next You're episode. Praise me when I beat <laughs> There's going to be some trash talk, maybe even some bets laid down. Oh, you, yeah. you will want to, uh, tune in for our next episode where we play Deckscape's new game. But until then, while Zach and I are still on speaking terms, thanks for listening. We'll catch y'all next time. I'll see you guys when I win. Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Puzzling Company and online at puzzlingcompany.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep puzzling.